Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by the rivalry. It's back, Ray. The rivalry between the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Douchebag Hawks is back. It's here. And guess what? We're going to talk about it. But before we talk about it, Raymond, why don't you let them know where can they find us? You can like us on Facebook.com slash The Goldcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at The underscore Goldcast. And be sure to subscribe to us for notifications via YouTube, iTunes, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of The Goldcast. Like, subscribe, and comment because we certainly like to interact with you. And certainly like to, if you say something clever and amazing, then we'll certainly give it recognition here on the show during our live takes. And it's also just the best way to stay informed and abreast of all of our episodes when they come out live. And this is obviously one of the busiest times of the year for the show, just because we are 49er centric. But even though we do cover uh, the broader Bay Area teams, minus the Raiders in Los, who are now Las Vegas, even if they weren't in Las Vegas, we, weren't, we wouldn't cover them. And we give we blow kisses to the A's, and that's about it. <laughs> this is true. Uh, we well, well, you blow kisses to the A's. I wouldn't say I, I don't blow kisses, but I, I don't know. Maybe I'm like a, I don't know, a, a. Uh, we we have an acquaintanceship. I I don't hate the A's. I don't like the A's. It's more like I just know of the A's. Would you say that is that fair? Yeah, I think that's I think that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I know who the A's are. I've never had a I've never had a real conversation with them, so I don't know how I feel about them. But I see them around from time to time. We travel in similar circles. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. This is our preview episode of Monday Night San Francisco Forty ers Seattle Douchebag Hawks going head to head. In Levi Stadium, we're here to talk about it. The greatest panelist in the game has arrived. Your professor of fanalism, he's in the building. Class is in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? Are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom. Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salise the Third, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Salise the First, baby. Boom. Let's go. Raymond, it's here. The Smack Talk online via group text threads, via group fantasy leagues, via people passing on the streets, and as an is at an all-time high. It is clear more than any other team you know we've, we've talked about this Raymond in the Giants and Dodgers rivalry I've said this many times and I've heard Giants fans agree and Dodgers fans agree that every other team in the excuse me every other team in the MLB and that's in the NL West division are simply background extras in the never-ending battle between the Giants and the Dodgers and it doesn't matter if, who's in first place and if the other team's in fourth place the only two teams that matter in the NOS are the Giants and the Dodgers. And it feels exactly the same in the NFC West. 
Doesn't matter when the Rams have their time. Yeah, who cares? Cardinals, yeah, whatever. But when Seattle and San Francisco are both good at football, everybody else backs up as these two warriors go head-to-head in the ring. Because in the at the end of the day, there are only two teams that matter in the NFC West, and that is the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. These are the two teams And you know what? The NFC West is just better when they're both good at the same time. And we are, once again, both good at the same time. And I could see it. I could see it on on Twitter, on Instagram, like I said, on the text threads, on on my fantasy leagues, on people wearing opposite hats. The smack talk is at an all-time high. And it was it's never even this intense between Rams fans and 49ers fans. And I live in L.A. And there's more 49er fans here than there are Rams fans. So, I mean, I'm in the thick of it. And it's really not that big of a thing. But the second it goes down to 49ers and Seahawks, now it's on. So, Raymond, for the people, the greatest fans in the game, give us your breakdown. What are you looking at? What do you see? Just any thoughts heading into this game? I want to get your perspective because I'll tell you what. Me personally, I am pumped. This, Some pundits are calling this the biggest game of the season thus far. And I have to say, I agree. This is the biggest game of the year so far. Yeah, I think so. You have, you know, the Seattle, who's the fourth best team in the NFC, going up against the best team in the NFC. And this is also a division game and a historic rivalry, at least historic from 2011 to now. But nonetheless, that's nine years of rivalry that we've had between these two teams. And this year, they're like every year they're always on a a a two-stop collision course between the two of them but this year is different because we have this is the same the same regime is in seattle minus the defensive veterans that went to -to back-to-back super bowl super bowls and majority of the offense is mostly different with the exception of russell wilson who's playing out of his mind. He's been in all... He's only gotten better. He's been in every MVP, all the MVP discussions for the season, along with a few other uh, players. But he's been... Probably him and Christian McCaffrey are at the top of the list uh, between who, who's really, you know, vying for that at this point in the season. But this game is not only going to be on the national stage, but it's going to have a lot of implications for the playoff hunt going into the second half of the season. You have an undefeated Niners team going up against a 7-2 and two Seattle's team. And to be honest, like every other game this year, we I think the Niners have the clear-cut edge against this team in just about every single category. I'm not sure how you feel about it, but that's how I feel so far, and we're going to obviously get into it. Yeah, let's get into that. I want you to talk about that because obviously we have the moving the weekly moving target of the that this week is the real week that the 49ers will be tested, right? And then the the 49ers defeat that team and they go, "Oh no, 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 no. That team's not that good. This week is the real test." I think there's no argument here. I think if we beat the Seattle Seahawks, I've said this several different times this season, so maybe I'm I'll be proven wrong again. But I think if we beat the Seattle Seahawks this week, I think unequivocally this only in, in, in it for some people it will prove that we are real. 
But for everyone in San Francisco, Ono only continued to further cement the legitimacy of this team. But I want to know, you say in every statistical category, break down for the people, for the Gold Cast Nation, what, what, how are we better than the Seahawks? What are the keys to victory? Explain why we are better and how. Well, we'll start with offense. I think the one advantage they've got is quarterback. They have someone who is a Super Bowl champion, has led his team to two championships back-to-back. They only won one. And they've been in playoffs every single year uh, that he's been going back to, uh, I forget how many years in a row they've gone to the playoffs. Even though they're not as dominant as they were when Harbaugh was coaching this Niners team, this is still a really scrappy team. They're and the scrappiness really comes on offense. The defense really doesn't really give them a lot of chances to win games. Sometimes they do. Most of the time they don't. There's only been a couple of games that where they were actually kind of, you know, where they kind of dominated Arizona in week four was one of them. That was 27 to 10. That was really dominant. They, but they, they lost, they won by a point against Cincinnati, a team we blew out by the way. They won by two points over Pittsburgh, a team that we kind of, gave a lot of turnovers too, but otherwise dominated them defensively. They barely beat Cleveland by 30 to a score of 32 to 28. By the way, we beat, we blew out Cleveland on Monday night football. They destroyed Atlanta, but everyone's destroying Atlanta. And that was also a one possession game. And they barely got by Tampa Bay in overtime. It took overtime just for them to win. And the two losses, the two losses were the first one, was New Orleans 33 to 27 the best te- the second best team in the NFC and the next loss was a division loss to LA to the Rams 29 or I'm sorry um that was not uh, the loss the, the the second loss was uh what was it uh Baltimore sorry Baltimore in the AFC that was 30 to 16 that was a sound sound win from a very, very good football team that just beat the undefeated Patriots. So, you know, no surprise there. So when the competition is not good, they're barely getting by. And it's on the back of Russell Wilson, figuratively speaking. And when they're losing, they're losing against the good teams. New Orleans, Baltimore, they they won, they beat the Rams by a point, one point. They got by the Rams. This was a team that we dominated 20-7. to seven. So the games that they should be winning, they're winning barely. In those games, conversely, we're destroying every team that comes into that path. And against winning teams, they've lost all those games. They've lost every game against a winning team, with the exception of week one, because everyone's on a clean slate. And on that road, we beat Cleveland when they were 2-2. Two and two. We beat a 3-2 a and two, uh, Rams team. And we also beat a four and two Carolina team, and we we won all those games convincingly. So to me, you know, th- this is a, a more broader picture uh, of the Seattle's team. But hey, they're a top ten offense. They're eighth in rushing yards. They're ninth in passing yards. They're fourth in total yards. They're seventh in points scored. But to me, I think that even though they're a really good rushing team. They don't have, you know, Chris Carson has fumbled the ball like four times this year. And he, it, was, it was almost contemplating that he was going to get benched. 
because of that 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 susceptibility that he's been showing this season. And Russell has been running a little bit himself, albeit you know he, he likes to he, he does it more to keep the play alive than to really kind of than to do than, than what Jackson's doing over in Baltimore, where it's scripted and or it's he's just running because he can, and he's really good at it. But to me, I think. Uh, offensively at the quarterback position, Russell Wilson is the clear, has way more experience than Jimmy Garoppolo. Although we've seen Jimmy dish it out, he does have that capability. But when you have a balanced attack and and half of that attack is a state-of-the-art, you know, innovative running running game that we have not seen in the NFL before, at least not to this degree, with the pre-snap motion the the way it the way it threads into play action pass the the different looks you're getting the fact that you'll get multiple multiple formations that will result in in different people getting the ball different uh different running lanes uh, uh that stretch outside zone game that we like to play so very much this is far beyond anything that Seattle is doing this year Seattle's rushing attack is is very good. It does have a couple of, of players, mostly led by Chris Carson, and Russell Wilson does contribute to that rushing attack too, and that's part of the reason that that why it's ranked as high as it is too is because they are getting some good running back scrambles too, which is sometimes I think when when you when you're not balanced, then your quarterback has to make plays like that, off-script plays, and they make a lot of off-script plays. Not quite as much as Baltimore, but they still have to do it because this team has a lot of holes, but has somehow found a way to win in tight, tight contests, which is the the mark of a good team. You know, when that that you know their their record speaks for themselves, seven and two. But offensive line, this is a line that breaks down, which is why Russell Wilson's had to scramble for his life a lot, a lot this season. That is a clear that that offensive line does not does not stack up well when I look at our offensive line. Our offensive line, even despite the fact that we've missed we've missed two tackles, which by the way we're going to get a couple of those guys back. Kyle Yuschek is going to looks like he's going to return for Monday night, and Joe Staley looks like he's looking pretty close, pretty good to go. Although I haven't necessarily uh, read a confirmation that he's going to be back, but all signs are pointing towards that. But even the guys that have backed up Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey, they've stepped in and haven't skipped a beat in pass protection and run blocking. It's as if Mike McGlinchey and Joe Staley never got injured. It's been that good. And to me, this team is so tight. They're so bought into the 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 philosophy that Kyle, the culture that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have been building for the last few, few years that to me, this this offensive line group is far beyond what the Seattle's offensive line has been able to do right now. Now, the one area where they also have another advantage, they have quarterback, they don't have offensive line, they do have wide receiver. They have proven wide receivers that have been there, that have been there for many years. They also have DK Metcalf, who has been kind of up and down, but mostly a lot of promise for a rookie, a rookie wide receiver. He's done very well. You know, I think Debo Samuel's the the closest thing we have to that on our team, and then some other guys really just need to kind of step up, like Dante Pettis, who kind of flashes every other game or so. He, I'd like to see him start flashing every game. But we have added Emmanuel Sanders to give us that surefire veteran leadership and veteran prowess in route running and pass catching and deep threat and touchdown threat ability. So now we do have that. So we're a little bit more, we're a little bit 
better in that category. It gives us a huge leap, even though we've had great contributions from all our receivers, but now we have George Kittle and Emmanuel Sanders to complement our wide receiver group. But Seattle is a little bit deeper in this category, so I do give them an edge there. It's not much of an edge, but it's an edge nonetheless. Defensively, this is where the biggest the biggest gaps exist. The defensive line is far, far and away way better than this group. We're, I mean, the numbers are kind of ridiculous. Through eight games, we've got 30 sacks. We've got 10 interceptions. We've held opponents to... 11, just over 1,100 yards passing. We're the number one pass defense in the league. Um, we are the, 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 we've gotten gashed the last few weeks, especially in the first quarter. We talked about this in the last episode where the Niners have looked vulnerable in the first quarter against the rushing attack of opponents. And this has all been duplicated from the Rams game where they had a scripted, series that was all running plays seven straight running plays that led to a touchdown and we just got gashed the entire time there was no tfls no none of that and every team since then has been trying to do the exact same thing and they've had varying degrees of success no one has come out and just blown us on the ground but we have we have looked vulnerable guys have had big plays christian mccaffrey had a big big play in that big 51 point blowout Uh, Kenyon drake had the big 36-yarder to open up the game in Arizona last Thursday. And, you know, so things like that need to get cleaned up. That's why we're ranked 14th right now. We're actually, we're ranked 13th. We're ranked 14th. They're ranked 13th. And so they're, they're right now the run defenses are a little bit comparable in that regard, although I would say ours, even though ranking-wise we're right behind Seattle, I would say ours is still far and away better than than what they're able to dish out there. There's just there's just too much depth and talent on our side. Passing defense, it's not even close. We're talking the 28th ranked passing defense against the number one pass ranked defense, which obviously feeds off of our front our front four pass rush, which is just the most dominant pass rush in the NFL right now. More than definitely more than New England, I would say. Especially now that they've lost and, and they got beat hard. They got blown out uh, by Baltimore. So to me, that there, there is no comparison there. As far as yards allowed per game, again, Seattle has to shoot out people in order to win. And, and they've, they've managed to make just enough good plays to eke out seven wins over, their, over the, the course of nine games. Whereas Niners, we're number one in the NFL in yards allowed at 241. We're not even allowing 250 yards per game from opposing offenses. And points scored, points allowed, this is this is again this is a big one because we're our when you look at our schedule you know this is it's a huge huge difference you know we beat only only two teams have scored 24 or more more points one was Arizona that scored 25 the other was Pittsburgh that scored 20 and everyone else was held to 17 points or less Tampa Bay, 17 points. Cincinnati, 17 points. Cleveland, 3 points. LA, 7 points. Washington, nothing. Carolina, 13. We've been destroying people here. So here, points allowed. We do not allow teams to get in the end zone very often. Especially on the ground, they don't get in there very often. And the air is very difficult, too. We have one of the best red zone defenses in the NFL. We do not give up a lot of points there. We give up field goals. 
because that's what a good red zone defense, that's eventually what happens is you give up field goals. But again, even special teams is better than Seattle. We have the best, we have the number one ranked special teams coverage, uh, coverage team in the NFL. No one covers punts and kicks. I think it's more on the punt side because you have more chances there where on the, uh, the kickoff side, it's, it's mostly touchbacks, but on the punting side, we have to, we have the best cover unit in the NFL. No one's at the ball faster and more efficient than we do. No one allows less yards returned than we do. There's just so much lopsidedness here on this team that it's just not, it's just not close. It's not close. It's not close at all. And you've given them extra time to rest, extra time to prep and extra time to, to practice. They had a bonus practice on, what was it, Tuesday. Tuesday was their bonus practice day. And it's a home game, so they don't have to travel. So there's just a lot. I just feel like there's so many cards stacked uh, in our deck right now that this, this, even though this is going to be a good game, I just feel really, really confident about our chances, you know, in being able to bring home a very convincing W. Mm. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about a couple different things. Let's start with what about the loss of Quan Alexander? This gives exposed in the linebacker unit. Do you think this is something that can be exploited to a level where it could possibly really come back to haunt us in this game? Well, Quan Quan's talent, I mean he was good in good in the run, but a lot of our guys were good in the run. But his his big contribution was being able to cover cover slot receivers, tight ends, and now that he's not in there, someone else is going to have to pick up that slack. Dre Greenlaw, Azacha, I know Lee got promoted. So I think I think that this is an area where we just don't know. We know that we've lost a Pro Bowl caliber player, and he was a big contribution to the eight wins. And the all of the rankings that our defense has right now, but we don't know what's going to happen until on the field. So this is an area that if if you're Seattle and I can bet you you know every dollar any dollar imaginable that Pete Carroll is definitely going to look to exploit Dre Greenlaw because he's a rookie. He's going to look to exploit him in that because that because that position is much more di- this is basically uh, this position that this is where Seattle might have an opportunity to take advantage of us at least to get some kind of leverage right and that's because Quan Alexander is the middle linebacker he is basically the quarterback of the defense now that responsibility probably goes over to Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw has to step in. I don't think they're going to give him that. I think you just you allow Fred Warner to now call those plays, and you allow Dre Greenlaw to step in and play Fred Warner's position. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work out. We'll have to listen to see what uh, – I know midweek they often have the press conference with Robert Sala, so I'm curious to see what he's going to say about that. Obviously, he's going to be extraordinarily vague and ambiguous, as they always are, but you know, it's it's all we've got to go on. So we'll just have to see if there's any worthwhile nuggets in his press conference. But this is an area where we can get exposed. Will, will we get exposed? We don't know because we haven't been in this position before. The only thing, the only game that came close was against Tampa Bay. And that was when Quan Alexander got ejected in the first quarter. And Azacha, Azacha filled in for him. And he ended up getting a pick and a TFL during that game. 
couple TFLs during that game. So we didn't really skip a beat in game one. Uh, there's okay. a, there's a good chance we don't skip a beat this time either. At least okay. at least for here's this another, game. Here's another one. Here's another one, which you 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 commented a little bit on. So now Quan Alexander's out, good against the run, but at the same time. What about the combination of Chris Carson, Russell Wilson? As you mentioned, I'll give you the exact stat. I was wondering if you're going to drop the exact stat. Right now, running backs are averaging 4.7 yards per attempt against the 49ers. 4.7 yards per attempt. The combination of Chris Carson, Russell Wilson, no Quan Alexander. Does this put this team on notice and in a tighter position? Russell's always, Russell's always a threat to run. And he's a very good runner because when he runs, it's late. It's because a, p- a play has broken down. And if the coverage is there and our defense, and that's going to open up more opportunities for him to possibly run because he has no other choice. He hasn't run a lot. I mean, he's, run, he's taken 44 carries for 200 yards. That's like third string you know, running back type numbers. So he only runs when he has to. And he scored three times this year. Chris Carson, on the other hand, is the bell cow. He's rushed for 764 yards that's a lot that's definitely a lot and that's uh i you know that's to me that's um that tells me that chris carson's is the one that you focus on if you really want to slow down their running game he's the player that you're gonna hone in on to eliminate their opportunity to run they don't have as much rushing yards as us they're obviously because we're going to give them matt breed and tevin coleman and perhaps you know and later in in the third and fourth quarter we're going to see a little bit more of uh Raheem Mostert so there there is a triple threat in in our in our court versus them it's like we got one guy that runs when he has to and then another guy that's really going to take the bulk of the carries that's also susceptible to turning turning the ball over you know again passing that's where they're really strong that to me in my opinion they've got Will Disley who I think that that to me is the matchup to look for Will Disley versus Dre Greenlaw or Fred Warner uh, I'm curious to see how that's going to turn out because that's where we currently have a mismatch. You have a rookie. I don't know. Is, is Will Disley a rookie? It's his second season. He's young. But I think, you know, this year he's having, he's obviously way more productive than he was all of last year. And that's because he's played through six out of the eight games versus last year. He only played four and he's has four, t- four touchdowns. So to me, I think, this is a position where this is this is a matchup right now. This is a matchup advantage that Seattle has against our guys. So we're going to have to see how that works out. But um, I think there's something there. Whether whether they can take advantage of it consistently all game in order to, to to you know make this close or beat us, I to me that's a tall task. It's not. It's going to take a lot more. It's going to take a lot more than just one mismatch to beat the Niners. Okay, okay. Here's a couple more. Does Kyle Juszczyk, Mike McGlinchey, and we're hearing Joe Staley might be back, but we know for sure most likely Kyle Juszczyk and Mike McGlinchey are back. Do they come back ready to go, or are they possibly open to being exposed in such a high-intensity game like this one against the Seattle Seahawks? There could be some rust. There could be some rust there. I mean, but the point is they're starters for a reason, and... You have to expect them to be ready. They've been rehabbing this whole time. They've been limited in practice, you know, most of the time. Joe Staley has has been more limited than McGlinchey. 
but you know McGlinchey's now getting some full reps in there, so there there is susceptibility, some rust. Yet they both these guys haven't played in several weeks, so you know sometimes there's rust coming into that. I think that's a, definitely a possibility. Whether it'll happen or not, hard to say. I don't expect that from Joe Staley because he's just been doing it for so long at such a high level, six-time Pro Bowler. I feel much more better about him coming back and really kind of just jumping right into it versus McGlinchey. You know, McGlinchey might be exposed to to what degree. I'm not really not sure, but there's a possibility, you know, but the way this team kind of bands together, no matter who's in or who's out, I, I have to lean on the side of him, you know, kind of coming in and picking up where he left off. I think in other words, I think there's a higher probability of that versus him getting beat all day. Hmm. Okay. Last one. Last one. Do you see us having to lean on America's favorite gangster, mobster, quarterback, Jimmy Carapolo? <laughs> Jimmy Carapolo, you're going to help us out on Sunday a little bit more than usual. <laughs> Jimmy Carapolo, come on, guy. Hey, I, Jimmy, Jimmy, I, I want you to throw the ball just a little bit more this time, okay? Um, you know what? I think... I think <laughs> Throw football, throw Cazzoni, whatever you got to do. I think because it's a division game, there's going to be... There's definitely a little bit more oomph coming from both teams, and I do expect the running game on both sides to be slowed down. I expect both these quarterbacks to be airing it out. I think Jimmy G is probably... I think he's going to be asked to do more or less what he did on Thursday against Arizona. All right. Well, there you have it. Final, final Raymond Vegas has the 49ers at 6.5 favorites, 6.5 point favorites. What is your final score? I have been so wrong on these the entire year. <laughs> yes, I've missed all of them. I've missed all of them. I have been them. the worst this year. I've been really bad. Uh, this is probably one of my worst years ever. I called but, a blowout last Thursday. We did not get a blowout. You know, I expect you've this been one pretty. To... Actually, you've been pretty decent. You've been cl- much closer than I am. Like every time I say it's going to be close, it's a blowout, and then when I say it's a blowout, it's going to be close. <laughs> it ends up close. Well, let me ask you this real quick, rapid fire. All the questions you asked me. What do you think? Do you think so? We'll start with the first one. Do you think there's there's something there with Quan Alexander being gone. I think there's always there's always something there when you have a player as well as, as Quan Alexander out. The guy hasn't missed a tackle all season. Obviously, this is a guy that has been a real linchpin as far as, as the the team is described. I think there's no question that Richard Sherman is uh, unequivocally the heart and soul and the leader of this team. But Quan is one of these guys that people that def- the defensive players for the 49ers have said was, you know, a real close second to that. So I think you're going to miss him there physically, no question. And this is obviously a team, this is a team that comes in that isn't afraid to try and expose us. Teams have already been exposing us on the run. This was a guy who helped with that. The problem I think that I really see with Quan Alexander is the same thing you talked about is with those wide receivers. Disley, but I mean, look at Tyler Lockett last, last week. He had a huge game, huge game. Tyler Lockett. He's been really productive. He's been very. He has, he has over 700 yards receiving, so he's definitely the bell cow on the receiving court. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Now, luckily, luckily, this is the number one team when it comes to uh, when it comes to the pass. So I am, 
I don't expect us to skip a huge beat, but I think really, really where you want to compensate for Alexander is getting to Russell Wilson, getting to him faster and harder than anyone has before. As far as yeah, that's the, that's the best way to do it, and that's the best. I mean, with any team, really. But if if you you get to Russell Wilson, even even if you don't sack him, but if you disrupt his timing, that'll be enough. That will be enough. Yes. the The combination of of Russell Wilson and Chris Carson, the you know, we've had these, we've 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 come across these combinations before all throughout the season, and this is a team that bends and, and doesn't break. I expect Chris Carson to do what a lot of guys do, and he'll get between seventy five and and a hundred yards, and maybe get a touchdown, but it's not going to be enough to win the game. And we've done a really good job of that. We've done a we've done a a good job of allowing running backs to get their yardage, but not allowing your running backs to beat us. I expect more of that on Monday as well. As far as Kyle Juszczyk and Mike McGlinchey, Kyle Juszczyk's a pro. He's an all-pro. He's the best fullback in the game, and he has proven why he is who he is. Now, here's the difference, though, too, is that this is a team This is a team that doesn't have a really good pass rush. They, they don't. I mean, it's it's... You know, it's just not very strong. So we might we might see some blitzes here and there to keep the 49er offense uh, on their toes. But I think actually this is a great game for those guys to come back in because they're not going up against some fearsome front seven that's just going to pound them all day and really make Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo work for it all day. I don't think they're going to do that. In fact, I think this is this might, it's going to be heated. It's going to be intense. But this is the kind of game that Kyle Juszczyk and Mike McGlinchey, you bring them into this game and they hold their own, it's not going to be as as fearsome as some other front sevens are going to be. And so you allow them to come in, but you're still going to have the energy and the intensity of a a playoff-like atmosphere. Psychologically great, physically not as tough as it sounds. Yeah. I think this is a great game to put them in for. As far as our boy. Yeah. Seattle, Seattle only has half the sacks that we do. It's 30 to 15. That's, you know, that's their productivity this year. They're on pace for 30 sacks. I think we had something like, um, I think we had just over 30 last year, all, all of last year, and we're on pace for 60. So nearly double that number. And Seattle's on pace to put up the type of sacks numbers that we had all of last year. So and as far as Jimmy Carapolo, I, I also... Props to our boy. He never lets us down. Andy Laird, go on to Twitter. He found the clip of me talking in preseason, accurately predicting that around the midseason. I heard about yeah, that. Yeah, that he would, that Jimmy Garoppolo would would ball out. And I I had it actually starting somewhere closer to around week six. So I was, he's a little bit, Jimmy G is a little bit later than my prediction, but if you go on to my Twitter page at Rudy Solis three RD, if you go on there at Rudy Solis third, you can find the clip. I I retweeted it. Andy Laird found the clip, cut it, and threw it up up on Twitter. It's up there, and uh, you can shout out Andy Laird. Yeah, shout out to Andy. It was episode one sixty five was the episode. If you go, if you want to scroll down and hear the full thing, he just did like a sixty second quick. Uh, quick cut of the whole thing uh, I, I said I, obviously I went for longer than what, what's on the clip but um, I don't think last week was a fluke I didn't think it was a fluke um, uh, you know two months ago in August when I said it was going to happen I believe it's the start 
of the Jimmy G regime. I believe that what we have seen in the last two weeks has been the beginning of the next evolution of this offensive regime. And that's Jimmy G taking over and playing the ball that we paid him for, playing the ball that we know he's capable of, playing the ball that he has already knows how to do. He just needed to get his feet underneath him. Now they're here. Now Jimmy G has arrived. I don't think it's a fluke. I think you can expect more. Emmanuel Sanders really opens up that offense in a way that we weren't able to do before, that the, the, the Rooks and Pettis and even Kittle, they just couldn't do. And Emmanuel Sanders, that one weapon has completely changed the passing game, and I expect the passing game to continue to evolve, and I think this week we see more of it. Doesn't mean we're going to see 300 yards and two touchdowns, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw three touchdowns, 250 yards. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that. That would That's totally, I think, doable. I don't think he's necessarily going to, as I mentioned before, I don't think he has to go 300, 300 yards and four touchdowns every single game. He doesn't have to, luckily, in this one. But he's more than capable of it. And I think you're going to see as the season goes on, we are going to lean on Jimmy G more and more as the competition gets stiffer. Because as the competition gets stiffer, the quality of the quarterback gets has to get higher the call of how much we're going to lean on him becomes more and more important because he is going to be the factor i really look forward to russell wilson versus jimmy g i think this is going to be a great battle and i expect him to continue the evolution that we've seen over the last two weeks so there's my side okay and so with that we'll let me go into the scores here so me i think hmm it's a tough one To me, it, this has the markings for a close game, but I think this is probably going to be something like similar to maybe Tampa Bay or what was it? The, uh, what was the other game? Like our Tampa Bay game, and we're talking just score here. And I don't mean like yeah, yeah, we're talking score. You know, yeah, yeah, more, you're more like just... you know, I think this is going to be something like the Tampa Bay or Cincinnati game, where Seattle's only going to have enough to get about seventeen points, and we're going to run away with it in the second half. So I'm going to say, wait, so you're saying you're saying like thirty-one seventeen, so it's not going to be close. I thought you said it was going to be close. It will be in the first half. Oh, okay. In the the first half, it will be. And then the Niners are going to run away with it in the second half. And to me, I think this is going to be, yeah. So I'm, I'm saying, saying, yeah, probably I expect some field goals to be there too when we get into the red zone. So let's say 33-17. Ooh, Raymond says 30 Three, seventeen. Going back through, we whooped the Rams' ass. It was a clear, clear ass whooping. Thirteen point victory, twenty to seven. Then last week we faced the Cardinals. We win in a nail biter, twenty eight twenty five. On a short week turnaround on the road. Short week turnaround. We're also yep. on the road Defense. in LA. Yep. Defense had a had a hard time. I expect we're on the road for both those games. I expect something in the middle. 
I'm going to say I still think it's going to be close. Um, not quite as close as 49ers Cardinals. Not quite the blowout as the 49ers Rams. I'm going to say it's going to be, I'm going to go 25-20 in favor of the 49ers. Mm, another close one, huh? Close one. Yep, close one. Not as close as the Cardinals one, but not the blowout of the Rams. We win by five points decidedly. We we keep the game out of reach for Seattle, and we win. And, and that yeah, I'm going to say 25-20 is going to be the final score. So what say you, Goldcast Nation? Do the 49ers continue the streak? Do they go to 9-0? and And what is your final score? Leave it at the YouTube comments, youtube.com slash the Goldcast. And then be sure to go on Twitter. Go to at Rudy Solis third, th- third, Rudy Solis third, 3RD. Go there. Check it out. Check out my uh, my very stunningly psychic prediction. Rudstradamus. Rudstradamus third. He came in and made an excellent and stunning prediction. I said exactly where Jimmy G would be. He's about a couple weeks late. That's my only knock on him. But other than that, he's great. Raymond, final thoughts before we sign off. This is going to be a hell of a game on Monday night. I think there's going to be some back and forth. There's going to be some punching in the mouth. But I think the Niners are going to be dishing out more punches and taking them. Excellent. My final thought is this. I'm glad the rivalry is back. But only for San Francisco. I feel really bad for Seattle because now we get to go in there and whoop that ass all over again. Last year, we did it with a third-string quarterback. Oh, I can't wait for how we deliver it this year. Let's go. So concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the Voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time, same Gold Cast channel. There's no such thing as a Seahawk anyways. This is, is the Gold Cast.